Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. Episode 57 finds more of the two discussing the ones. Yes, Graham McMillan and I talk not only the Miles Morales-based Ultimate Spider-Man number one, but also New 52 books like Deathstroke number one, with some spoilers, Red Lantern number one, Frankenstein Agent of Shade number one, Demon Knights number one, Suicide Squad number one, among others as well as discussion about the August estimated sales from ICV2 and a delicious waffles update. We hope you enjoy, and as always, thanks for listening. Jeff Lester, can you hear this? Graham McMillan, I can. Then everything is good. The reason I'm saying that is, for some reason, when it was ringing, it was ringing in a really weird, off-handed, like, you... It was the it was the Euro dance remix is what it was. It it meant some meant some inch, 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 inch. <laughs> unst, 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 unst. Uh so sir, welcome yeah. to the podcast. Welcome to you, Jeff. Welcome to wait what wait was the stand. If it was a, a Middle Eastern country. Which, let's face it, one of these days we are just going to have to take over a country. You know, I, I mean, the only way is up. And I think that's a, <laughs> a particular definition of up. I, I, don't you think that's maybe a little too far, too far up? Maybe over the top, say? Is, is there such a thing as too far up? Is there really? Well, you know, considering we do review comics, I guess arguably the answer should be no, right? <laughs> yes, for us, there is no such thing as getting up slightly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a huge, rapid ascent of an improvement from here. Uh, although I had waffles today, so... I saw, I saw, you, you've, you've changed. You're no longer a waffle window faithful. You found a replacement. I, dude, I had to. My God, I feel like one of those prospectors in an old mining town, you know? It's like, she's back there, I'm here, and so lonely, Graham. This, this, is, this is not turning out, to, it's not a good analogy. <laughs> it really isn't, actually. If I let my wife to go and find some gold, <laughs> I'd just find another woman. That's, what you, that's pretty much what you just said. Well, in my defense, uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I totally did in say that. In, in, yeah, I well, no, 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 no. Exactly what I do, says Jeff <laughs> Once again, you've maneuvered me into a rhetorical <laughs> killing box. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. I think I would actually be fine in that situation. All I'm saying is waffles, not quite the same thing. It's true. So, are they good? Uh, yeah, actually, like, like I said, uh, it was just about as close as I've gotten to Waffle Window yet. Uh, they were okay, like, they're sort of, unlike the Waffle Window to-go waffles, uh, it, it apparently doesn't need to be refrigerated, of course it's apparently made locally, but I threw it in the oven for about eight minutes, so it got nice and crispy and warm uh and the sugar it really was good it was perfect and it was the weirdest thing it's like i'm completely trained now it's like i had a bite of it and i'm like it's sort of missing some tomato basil and brie you know i you could sort that out yeah no that happen oh we're we're talking about it believe me and um actually i was looking into uh the place that has waffles here um Bar Jewels, where there's a a guy who makes his own Belgian waffles and serves them up uh, uh, on 
certain days at certain brunches. They're doing that this Sunday, the 18th, which is also uh, my wedding anniversary with Edie. So we're trying to figure out if we can carry off the um, wedding anniversary slash waffle stravaganza or not. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I think think there's something just very nice and fitting about the idea of, hey, celebrate your wedding with waffles. Yes, I'm so glad you agree. Uh, Does he more to the point? (laughs) Well, see, that's where I might have to have you call and talk to her for a little bit. So, uh... (laughs) It's like, listen, AD, come on. (laughs) Graham will explain it all. Exactly. He got it worked out. He makes it sound like it's a very romantic thing to do. Here, Graham, tell her. (laughs) Just just be like, what is romance without (laughs) waffles? Love, if you think about it, is sweet and sticky, like Belgian waffles. (laughs) (laughs) Or, as you depend, pitted with waffles. You know what I I read yesterday that was spectacular? Fried at the edges, yes. Apparently, um, scientists in Aberdeen, where I went to college, and therefore proof that they have nothing better to do with their time, um, have (laughs) discovered that women actually do react uh, more attentively to men with deep voices and so putting Barry White on to try and seduce a woman actually does have an effect oh yeah isn't that kind I, of stunning the best part was I was saying this to Kate I was reading it and she's like do you know your voice is becoming deeper the more you read these stories <laughs> and I wasn't meaning to do it <laughs> clearly we're not doing this podcast right at all we're going to have to like start being like hello ladies <laughs> that sounded <laughs> terrible Wait, ooh that sounded much better though, Graham. You should stick with that. Um dreaming old Spider Man. Short. Whew, is it hot in here? I'm gonna have to open a window. Okay, so uh should we jump into talking about the comics and where do we sure, start? Because let's face it, this this is like a ridiculously even ignoring the DC books, of which there are thirteen. There's also yeah. Spider Man and Fear Itself. We should leave Fear Itself for the end because I know you hate it with the passion of a million suns. Oh man. Well but, uh, I will but I will well, sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to point out, yeah, I've actually got about five other Marvel comics that I read that uh, I'm going to at least want to talk about four of, so... Oh, go! Well, no, 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 no. Well, okay. Uh, it, it, for example, Daredevil 3, how I, awesome was that? I haven't picked it up yet, so... What? I don't know. Uh, ah, Graham, is this a terrible podcast where you have not gotten to the comic book store? And I haven't gotten to the comic book store, but I was sent all of the DC 52 and you can buy certain things online. OMG. Okay, well... Yeah, Daredevil, you're on your own. It's probably spectacular. It (laughs) is. I'd be very surprised if it's not. Yeah, it's it's done, it's weighed, and it's uh, Paolo Rivera penciling and his dad. I didn't realize it was his dad, the anchor. that's, That's been the team all along, and it's been beautiful. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it'll be interesting to see what Marcos Martin manages to bring. I I have to say, and this is, um, it's one of those situations where I sort of assumed reading this story that it it was done very much in the Marvel style where Wade sends the plot and then Rivera works it over and then Wade dialogues it because it... There were parts that I thought kind of didn't make sense. There were little <laughs> bits there where it's like, 
something's happening and Daredevil reacts like he knows what's happening, even though he's not, I feel like he's not really being told that he knows, you know, there's just a lot of, um, oh gosh, what's the, the legalese for this? Like facts, not in evidence kind of thing, but oh sweet Jesus, like it's just so lovely and and the storytelling is so good. I mean, it's always weird to say that, like, uh, you know, there's these huge holes in the story, but the storytelling's great. But the panel-to-panel movement, and, oh, sweet Jesus, they draw such a good claw. Like, there's a there's a flashback panel mm-hmm. where Daredevil's sort of getting the, the, the fill-in about uh, Claw's past and what's been, what he's been up to, sort of. And the, oh, the splash page, there, there's like a half-page done in a Kirby Senate style of Claw fighting the FF with Kirby dots and everything and it's just it's it's so it's hard not to weep about it. I, I was really looking forward to this issue, but I'm also really nervous after the last the cliffhanger of the last issue. Not only because Claw has always seemed goofy to me, mm-hmm. in part because my introduction to Claw was Secret Wars. Mm, where you right. know he was exceptionally goofy. Um right. But also, there was just something about the end of issue two where I was like, all those things I loved about the first couple of issues, I have a horrible feeling they're going out the window. Not the storytelling, but the tone of the story. Uh. There's just something about... It seemed really... I don't want to say gritty, because it wasn't gritty, but down to earth. Mm-hmm. And with the sense of its own ridiculousness. And there's just something about, and then Claw comes in, that was right. like, oh... Oh, I'm not sure this is going to work for me. So, so is that the case? Does it sort of break the tone of the first couple of issues? I, I would say no, because they do. They've got a. Um, I I think they, without wanting to give away too much, uh, I think the take that they come up uh, with for this version of Claw works really well to keep it. Um, to keep it more odd, I mean, I, I suppose the the thing that I, if you think of the the first two uh, issues of Daredevil as being just sort of a little, you know, that that sense of toying with your expectations, I think they do a very very good job of continuing to do that in this issue. Like I said, there's just a there's some real jumps in the narrative logic where I was like, ah, well, huh? but. Are but, they jumps that could be explained later? Or is it literally just you might as well just accept them because they're there? I just went and accepted them because they're there, and it could be because I had so many other books to read that if I'd gone back and reread it, like it's the sort of thing that we might hear from, from listeners later in the comments thread that it's much more clearly and subtly laid out. Um, I definitely was aware that I was like reading through this one at... at, at kind of a breakneck speed but at least when I went back to rescan a few pages I'm like yeah I just don't feel that it's there I mean it's just it's just minor things and it, 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 you know you might feel very differently um, but for something, me yes oh, so something I've noticed recently and it's, I think it's because I've been doing it with the, the new 52 books as I've been getting them uh-huh. um, I almost have to read everything twice because I don't trust my first read through, and that's especially true of this week, right? Where I read things and I was like, for example, Frankenstein, I was like, ah, I'm not getting this at all. Right. And I think it's because I had so many other things to read that I was almost like, I have to read these books as opposed to I am reading them. 
And yeah. so when I did a, a go through again, and Frank said, I was like, oh, I actually kind of like this, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was just not present at all in first reader. Interesting. Interesting. I and felt that way about uh, Static Shock, definitely. I re- picked up Static Shock from last week based on what you'd said about it uh, in part and based on what I think Hib said about it. I was like, oh, I should really be reading this. And on the one hand, I thought it was great and it was delightful. But on the other hand, I was really aware that I was just about skimming it. You know, like I was like, man, this stuff is really dialogue and caption heavy. And it's John Rossum. It actually, all the dialogue made sense. Everything came together and it John, had a consistent Do you want tone. me to ruin this for you? John yes. has just announced he's uh, resigned from Static Shock. What? It's just, he's just put it on his blog. And he's like, it's not DC. It's not Scott Daniel. It's me. Something has happened with me that I'm not going to talk about. That I want to. Oh, fuck. Well, that's that's really a shame because I thought he did a really good job at it. In fact, having not read a ton of stuff from him, like I like Zombie well enough, but having read, you know gone back and read his early Milestone Zombie and then the recent incarnation, I was kind of like, okay, so he does one thing and he seems to have one tone. And see, reading this, I was like, oh no, he can mix it up actually oh, no, quite I, well. Uh, for example, the last few years, he's actually survived on doing Scooby Doo comics. Wow. Um, and he's also done something called Midnight Mass for Vertigo, which is really good. I totally remember Midnight Mass. I picked up the first two issues of it, and it just didn't click for me. So I didn't oh, I, get I really like Midnight Mass. But yeah, it's, it's um, he's he's he can he can do variations on a theme, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Scooby Doo and Midnight Mass and Zombie are not actually a million miles away. Right. Right, right, right. Well, actually, the thing that was interesting for me was Static Shock. In theory, is. But I could also see, because he really throws you into the deep end of the mythology, I think, um, very much like he did with his zombie reboot, it seemed very similar to me, but it also very, it seemed like he was really aware of the tone that he was supposed to be going for and it was and how it's supposed to be different. And I think he... Well, exactly. Like, I I think that um, Static Shock really benefited from having so much static in the past does that make sense i mean yeah. like I, I can't imagine what he would have done had this been the first appearance of static and also oh, yeah. worth pointing out scott mcdaniel's co-writing static I yes don't, i don't think it's as simple as plot script yes you know scott mcdaniel was bringing a lot to the tone of this yeah 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 and which i think was actually a great choice in fact i between this and the wolverine one shot and a few other things i'm kind of thinking that if we see more of the return of the quote-unquote Marvel method, I th- I think we're overdue for it. I think we're overdue to really have artists come in and be able to set the the tone. Um, and, well, and sort another of, example of that is um, OMAC. Yes, exactly. Right. Where things move and are just, just everything seems to have a lot more visual brio, you know? Um, I mean, I know we'll be getting into it later, but one of the things that that struck me about uh, reading Ultimate Spider-Man number one this week was um, it just seemed very, uh, the art seemed kind of monotonous to me, you know? It all seemed kind of evenly pitched, but in a way that, I don't know, just didn't, just kind of didn't have... Like there were, I felt there were some real dead spots that I'm starting to think might just be Bendis's dead spots. You know the way that he plots and paces things now. You know, 
I have to say, and I, maybe we're skipping on Ultimate Spider-Man a bit too quickly. I was actually really let down by that. Mm. Um, and in, I think in large part because it's so short that it stops before the story does. Oh yeah. Everything oh, yeah. in the first issue is fine, but it's just fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's nothing amazing. There's nothing even that interesting. Right. Um, and it's 20 pages for $4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Do you know what I mean? I like, that's, mm-hmm. that's insane. And it feels shorter than 20 pages. It really does. It's kind of fascinating to me. I really wished at that moment that I had, and who knows, maybe I've got it on, uh, uh, through Comixology, that first issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, the original, I would love to go back and read that because and see if this feels shorter than that uh, oh, did. Oh, well, it, it, I would be surprised if it didn't, because I'm fairly sure the first issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, the first volume, is double-sized. Oh, well, maybe that's why then. Yeah, because... Hmm, but what's, what's also interesting is they both stop at exactly the same place. Right, the spider bite. No, the, the, he discovers he has powers after the spider bite. They both oh, right. finish with a full page spread of basically of the character being like, oh, I've got powers. Right, right, right. Um, but there's just something really, really... There was always going to be something generic about Miles Morales' origin. Mm-hmm. Um, basically because it had to be. He had right. to be bitten by a spider. Yeah. Um, but the way it's been done is somehow even worse. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it was, it, I, and it's it's a shame because I saw so many people being like, "This is a good first issue." Yeah, it's short, but it's good. And then I read it, and I was like, "No, it's not." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's okay. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's if it's one of those things where it's like the idea is that that Bendis sort of sat down and was like, okay, you know, between the first volume of Ultimate Spider-Man and between the idea that there's going to be a lot of people picking this up where maybe their uh, expectations are based mainly on, like, say, the movies, um, I'm I'm following sort of a very standard template. And I was like, I really wish there had been way more of... I want to see the character in action and ha- sort of keep some of that mystery i kind of want to have it be teased you know what i mean it just seems very um uh, it just seemed dull really you know it, it the, seemed the whole kind thing of... just seemed really um taking off the boxes mm-hmm. do you know what i mean especially the opening oh yeah oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. well I, I mean that was especially the part where it's like here I am, I am, you know, it's just like, it couldn't have been more laid out for you. You know what I mean? And in fact, I think every scene in in this first issue was kind of, because there's, I don't know, three or four scenes. It's, it's like, you. So, and I'm not the sort of person who tries to guess what's coming next at, at all. I just... But you it don't even like, have to guess. No, exactly. It's like laid out, like just in the dullest way possible. It really reads like someone who like wrote a pitch and got the pitch rubber stamped and went out and wrote exactly what they wrote on the pitch and just kind of wasn't paying any attention to it. You know, like there's no... It's not just that, like there's no... What I liked so much about Ben's earlier Spider-Man 
mm-hmm. and what is for me entirely missing from this first issue mm-hmm. was hard. Hmm. This felt soulless to me. And I think I think he's really trying to give everyone a personality. And I I, I think he's really visibly working to make Miles different from Peter. Yeah. And to make uh Miles situation different from Peter's. Mm-hmm. And to an extent he's he's completely succeeding. Right. But it all feels fake sounds too harsh mm-hmm. but, but none of it feels genuine in the same way that Peter Parker did mm-hmm. and um, and none of the characters seem real in the same sense hmm. all of the characters seem like they are reading the lines they've been given Yeah, and considering Pacelli is a better artist than Mark Bagley mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's got to come down to the writing Although that being said, because I do think that uh, I, as you know, I I I'm okay with Bagley. I thought parts of the art here were lovely, uh, but there were some things that threw me off. Uh, do you think she's drawing uh, Miles like too short? I don't know. Is maybe I that think, was just I think me. Miles came across really really young in this first issue. Yeah, he looks like he's twelve. Like the well, way that be, he's, he's looking he's up at be, everyone. He's meant to be like thirteen or something. Oh, okay. He's so meant, he's meant to be hyper hyper young. Okay, okay, so he's even younger than Peter, Ultimate Peter was. Yeah, but here's the thing. He is, and then you see him in the costume and everything, like on, right. on, front, front, on the cover, on the mm-hmm. varying cover. He looks like, he looks older. Right. He looks significantly older, and I don't know if that's intentional. I don't know if, you know, by the end of the first arc, we're going to be like, oh, he had the powers for like three years. Oh, do you know what I mean? And he's just been living with the parish really quietly for a while. Although actually, mm-hmm. that can't—that's not true. I'm looking at the, the first page, and it says eleven months ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, right. um, but yeah, it's just but, uh, Miles in costume and Miles in this first issue mm-hmm. seems significantly different in age. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, the, the, the and actually, for that disgusting. for that question, Miles in when he first appears in this issue. And Miles, when he gets bitten by the spider, yes, significantly different. Than right? Yeah, he seems like he's aged like at least six months in between those two scenes, which is really weird to me. Like which all of a sudden, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was really thrown by that. And who knows? Maybe it's the sort of thing where um, uh, I don't know. You know, it, maybe that will play into things. Like you know. I, <laughs> When you're 13, in 11 months, it's quite possible to end up, you know, a foot and a half tall. Yeah, but you know what I mean. This one, he grows significantly in the same day. Yeah, and I just, I kind of thought that. How much of this is just, yeah, you know, weird artists Mm -hmm. forgetting how old they are. (laughs) Right. It just, it struck me that something got biffed there, and I'll be really curious to see as it resolves. But I, I have to say, like, I mean, I. I, also, I was I was really let down by it. Mm-hmm. I I I was too. Um, I was too. And although, honestly, if it had just been if they taken the fucking nine eleven story out and put in another, you know, filled that eight pages or ten pages with with additional story, that would have gone a long way. I think. I think. Because honestly, if you look at it, there's you know, three, there's like four separate scenes in the course of 20 pages. Like, I think Bendis is trying to work 
is is sort of trying to work. I mean, he's got a wordless sequence that goes on for a few pages. He's got, you know, the Osborne sequence. It's just it's all really bland. It's it's far less interesting and surprising than, you know, even the first go round of of Ultimate Spider-Man, which it had a certain shock of the new, I guess, you know, even though it was more faithful to the original Spider-Man, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, well, I think part of the problem with this is we've seen what comes later. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've seen Miles be Spider-Man. Right. Um, and also, we've seen a Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And so there really isn't element of just, just start from there. I don't want to wait six issues to see how he became Spider-Man. Because yeah. I've seen him be Spider-Man. Mhm. 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 No, I well, and it's someone for me, I because I didn't pick up those uh, ultimate fallout issues, I have not seen him be Spider-Man and I want that. It's one of those times where I'm like, you know, it was 1999 or 98 or whenever it was was a long time ago and we don't have a Bill Jemis telling people that you can't do flashbacks anymore. You know, a little bit of mixing it up especially because we see Bendis, like, mixing it up all the time. I don't know. I I almost feel like maybe he doesn't know how to do flashbacks. You know what I mean? Like, every time you see Bendis do a flashback, it's utterly inappropriate, you know? (laughs) Like, it's always people sitting on the... But even so, I would have preferred this issue if this issue was a traditional Bendis flashback where basically narrative is fucked and you have someone just telling you what happened. Mm-hmm. And you saw me think that would have been a better first issue for me. I am really genuinely surprised that everyone who went apoplectic over all of the Justice League not being in Justice League number one are mm-hmm. given this a pass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because to me, this is much worse. There yeah. is no Spider-Man in this issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, and there's like, only you know, just the one character. I mean, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. And again, the quote unquote action scene is about as dull as you can get. You know, there, there's an action scene. Well, you've got what's his name breaking in. Is that Ultimate Deadpool breaking in it's, and it's stealing Ultimate stuff? Power. Oh, is it Ultimate Prowler? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Oh, thanks. I was like, I, I it looks very Ultimate Deadpooly to me, but I'm like, I don't think that's right. Not that I'm following Ultimate, but I don't. Yeah, is there an Ultimate Deadpool? I mean, I guess there must be. Right. There is. There is. He's shown up in. Um, I, I, in fact, he's shown up in old Ultimate Spider-Man. Rem- well, no, because like... the guy who's breaking in—that's. Yeah, that's, that's his Miles' uncle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Well, but I mean, but that. That could be the ultimate dead ball. This is this shows you how I really was just going by. They made the Prowler's mask look more like Deadpool's mask than the Prowler's. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and there is a way in which, if I'd known that, there's a way uh, I had realized if someone had said it, I would have been like, oh, there's something kind of clever there because you know the original Prowler is very much sort of an inversion of Spider-Man in the original series, so it's kind of that would be fun in a way, but but the scene where he's breaking in because he's doing nothing except opening a safe and taking something and smiling, he could be making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I think that you know they were thinking like, well, we've got some action in here. Everyone loves a daring break in, and it, it yeah, but it's not a daring break in. Do you know what I mean? It's like, not. It's, the, it's yeah. the dullest break in ever. Ever. He doesn't yeah. even necessarily seem to be breaking in. He climbs the top of the building and then he lowers himself down. There's no right. sense that he's doing anything illicit beyond the fact that 
all of everything we see is a stereotype of someone breaking in. Like we have been taught that that right. is what it means to be breaking. That in. is there's the no tension in the scene. No, there's not, and that's it. It's very perfunctory. Everything feels very perfunctory here in a way that I just. I was I was I was exasperated by and yeah as, whew, at that price point especially ugh. yeah it's it's really I mean I'm not surprised that it's twenty pages for three ninety nine because that's what Marvel do with Ultimate books and have done for some, some time now right but I just keep thinking that Marvel has fucked the launch of Ultimate Spider Man mm-hmm. because they really pushed Ultimate Fallout four. Which is about as bad an introduction to universe as you could as you could create, right? But yeah, it, it really is just terrible. And then by the time Ultimate Spider-Man One comes around, that really should be the issue that everyone is picking up. Mm-hmm. There's no PR. I mean, there just wasn't any publicity for Spider-Man yesterday. There was no mainstream publicity at all, and it's almost as if Marvel forgot it happened until the day before and they put out that terrible teaser. <laughs> yes. Because even Marvel wasn't making a big deal out of it until the day right. before. Yeah. Well, it could it could well be that they thought this issue shit the bed. You know? Not in any sort of way that they're going to say. But, you know, it came in, it went out, somebody did the flip test before they shipped it and went, yeah, you know what? We're, we're not... You know, which is which is why, yeah, they're they're you know they tried to bully people into picking up the book, but they didn't really be like, oh, it's going to be awesome. This is going to, you know, it's like they might be thinking we really need to to save that sort of push for something that deserves it. Well, know? it might also be that these days, mm-hmm. like Marvel hype is essentially meaningless. Yeah, well, that is the other case. I definitely think that they might have learned that they should maybe shut their gob and figure out where they're coming from. But it's just, I don't know, Ultimate Spider-Man 1 is just, it really was disappointing. And for that price point, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stick around. I might pick up the trades, because the trades are going to be infinitely cheaper. Right. And here's the thing, digitally even, it's not going to get cheaper, because Marvel doesn't lower the digital prices after months. Oh, I know, I know, I know. In fact, DC does that. I, I had that same thought of like, well, maybe I pick this up when it drops a buck, and I'm like, oh, it's not. Unless they've decided that they are, and that's why they're pushing, like, they're going to, they might do that here, but I don't know. Like well, you said, if, all if the rest not, of the other not books it's, it's, are. I think yeah. you might have said something about it. Uh, maybe they're waiting to see how the sales are going to be. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I'm, because I think there, there, there is the possibility now for digital corrections in the marketplace in the sense of if you see your issues, you know, if their orders for issue three are precipitously low, they might try lowering the digital to get people to pick up one and two, you know, to try and to re-bolster that. I think, I don't know, you know, again, it's this thing of like, I'm talking like that's, you know, a hypothetical. I, I don't but, know. Did you see the order numbers for um, for August? Uh, I didn't. Uh, ICV two have actually put out the, their estimates, mm-hmm. uh, and the thing that really surprised me was actually how low Ultimate Fallout sold. Mm. Bear in mind that Ultimate Fallout, both the first and second printings came out in August. Right. Okay. It had it had a lot of PR. Yeah. And it was outsold by Justice League 1, no surprise. Flashpoint 5, no surprise. Feared Cell 5 and Flashpoint 4. Mm-hmm. And Ultimate Comics Fallout Issue 4 sold 73,000 copies. Ooh. 
of two printings. That's low. Wow. That's really low. Yeah, because I think, well, on the other that, hand... That's it, really surprising to me. I honestly, honestly would have thought it would have broken 100. Well, like you said, Marvel, I think, has... Um, I think Marvel's fucked themselves as far as their PR goes. I mean, it it falls under the ultimate... It's right in the middle of their ultimate, ultimate, ultimate restart rubric. Uh, and I just... I think that also there's a lot of people who took that Death of Ultimate Spider-Man to be like, okay, this is my jumping off point. And I don't mean that in the sense of like maybe readers felt that way as much as I think retailers were like, yeah, we don't... Because, you know, over time... I, at least it seems to me, and this is super anecdotally, uh, I feel like the Ultimate Spider-Man trades, which I used to see move at a pretty fast clip at Comics Experience, have significantly slowed, as far as I can tell. And I just don't get the sense. Well, at some point, Ultimate Spider-Man as a series, I mean, when your trades start getting up to, like, number 15, mm-hmm. it becomes a series, if that makes sense. Like, right. people are not going to jump on it, number one, because there's 15 other fucking books. Yeah, right. Right. I, I think I think Ultimate Spider-Man, and the Ultimate Lane in general, mm-hmm. has just been around too long now. Right. Well, it's been around too long, but I also think, again, they, you know, they, they sort of screwed the pooch when they did, you know, the whatever fuck Loeb's ultimate event was. Ultimatum. People were just like, yeah, and it was just the ultimatum. Thank you. God, how stupid. And people were just like, oh, okay, so this is just, you know, it's like the ultimate universe had just teetered on the edge of, of empty hype for so long, and people were like, oh, okay, this is where it's at. I don't ever really need to look at this again. Yeah. Which was a shame, because to my mind, the ultimate Spider-Man that came out of that mm-hmm. was pretty much the best that it had been in some years. Right, right. And then for, writer, for like yeah. as a, for like a year, right? And then well, as it was like you know we've got to start wrapping things up because we're killing them off. Like mm-hmm. it just shut the bed, and then the death storyline was was atrocious. Right. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. I should I should definitely look into those trades. It's such a I don't know. It's it's frustrating. I I've it's out of all the books that I picked up. Well, no. I definitely there were four books that I was kind of emotionally invested in in that sort of gee I hope I like it sense and Ultimate Spider-Man was yeah this week and Ultimate Spider-Man was one of those and I kind of didn't I really really didn't so so wanted to like it Mm -hmm. exactly it kind of hurt how much it was like you know and not in a like oh my expectations this is going to be great it was like ah geez I just please you know so It was was one of those um, I know you're trying books, do you know what I mean? Like, I know you're trying, I want to like it, I I want this to be good. Uh, It just wasn't good. And it's, it's, yeah, I almost feel guilty Mm -hmm. for not liking it. Mm -hmm. Well, don't you usually? I mean, that's something that I feel like. Don't I usually feel guilty for not liking something? Yeah, I think so. it depends what it is. Like, if I went in and really wanted to like it, then sometimes, other times, I'm I'm perfectly okay with just not liking it. Okay. All right. I mean, For example, Deathstroke this week, I didn't like it at all. I'm completely okay with that. Wow, I didn't even realize that was on the stands. Jesus, I was at the store. I was at the store, and Comics Experience, the new layout looks gorgeous, by the way. Next time you're down here, I, I'm, I'm you'll be good to it by the shop. Yeah, it's 
gorgeous. But I was looking at the new comics books, and maybe it's the new rack or whatever, but I swear to God I didn't even see that book. Not to be honest that I would have picked it up. So tell me more about Deathstroke numero uno. It's terrible. That That's... Uh... <laughs> This is, I think, in terms of, like, the new 52 this week, mm-hmm. I think this is a much stronger week than last week. Interesting. Um, I think there's just a general level of quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not even quality, of consistency this week that I, I think wasn't present last week. But I think Deathstroke is one of the dogs. Mm. Um, it actually does something which is kind of funny, but not enough to make me like it, which is it introduces a whole new cast, and you have... Um, Deathstroke being, you have someone saying since Deathstroke, you used to work alone, not anymore, times have changed. Uh, and the punchline at the end of the book, he kills them all. <laughs> He's like, fuck you, I work alone. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do this, which is, is kind of a funny joke. Because it's yeah. actually doing the new 52 setup, and then right. you have the character that being like, no, 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 no. I don't yeah, need yeah. to change it at all. That's very which funny. Is, That's pretty it, funny. It is funny, but it's not funny enough. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, 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 definitely. I mean, that's that's a fun twist, but that doesn't. You got to have something else there. Yeah, exactly. So just not enough other meat on the bone. It's it's probably got a lot of meat on the bone if that's the sort of story you like. Mm. I am genetically predisposed to not like Deathstroke. It is not my sort of book, um, and so none. Like it did everything fine, mm-hmm. but I was completely disinterested in everything it was doing. Mm, right. If that makes sense. It's it's completely fine for what it is. I just have absolutely no interest in what it is. It's interesting. So it's in a way it's almost the sort of book I almost wish I had read it just because it sounds like it's the sort of thing that's a little more in my wheelhouse. Although frankly I've despite having been a huge fan of uh Wolfman and Perez's Titans, I've always run cold on Deathstroke. I mean he's Yeah, I just never found him an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was nothing in this issue to make me think, oh, he's an interesting character. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You know, um, or at uh, least it, it seems to me that things that sort of are the rigging for him, like, could work. Like, he's he's bas- he's almost like Odin as the Terminator. You know what I mean? Like, in Wolfman and Perez's Teen Titans, part of what makes him work is the fact that he has... Uh, you know, familial ties with members of the team, I guess, or sure. uh, and, and at least after a certain point. That's mm-hmm. something that's very surprising about this issue. Mm-hmm. His children are mentioned at all, mm-hmm. which, considering Rose actually shows up in Superboy, is kind of surprising. Interesting. Um, especially because Rose shows up in Superboy as a hired gun. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So, so you think there would be some element of at least mentioning his children mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they're not brought up the, the point of the issue is essentially he's an old guy but he's still a badass and in fact like you even the characters say things like you're a major badass <laughs> you know well of course Graham you can't, well, the you audience can't, isn't can't, going yeah. to know unless you tell them for crying out loud well no exactly but it, it's that's the sort of I, that's the sort of level you're dealing with the, the the joke is that they introduce these new characters who you genuinely believe mm-hmm. are like the new supporting cast, and right. then kills them all on like the second last page. Right. Which is great. It's just you got to put some other stuff before it, you know. So, 
I don't know. Well, tell me about another of the new 52 books, good or bad, sir. Flopped. Um, Red Lanterns. Did you read Red Lanterns? Oh, shit. You know, I didn't see that on the stands. Fuck me. I can't believe I didn't Red Lanterns. I'm kind of loving people in mind being like, oh, my God, this is the worst book ever. I was kind of fascinated by Red Lanterns. I'm going to get the second issue. And do you know why? Why? It's shitty, but uh, Atrocitus, or whatever he's called, the main character... Mm-hmm. His monologue in the uh-huh. comic is essentially Milligan writing Shade the Changing Man. <laughs> really? I'm not joking. He, he gives them this like ponderous tone, this ponderous, tortured poet's tone mm-hmm. that is totally out of Milligan's early Shade. Wow. And, like, I, and this is amongst what is essentially a Jeff Johns plot. All the other characters are acting like Jeff Johns characters. Right. Uh, and you have this narration which seems to honestly be running against what is in the book huh. uh, including the part where Atrocitus confronts Krona the evil guardian who kills his family who turned him to evil blah 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 right and says in many ways we are like lovers <laughs> I married you with my rage married for all time you slaughtered my people which is, I just feel like that is Milligan being like, let's see if they'll take a gay reference. <laughs> well, I have to love, I mean, really looking at some of the previews, I'm like, wow, he is not shying away from the blood vomiting cat, you know? And there's oh, a way yeah, in which I'm. The, blood, the, the first line of Atrocitus in the entire book is, mm-hmm. what are you doing to my cat? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> So I admit it, I would totally that I'd put them down to to heel in front of the red lantern. Seriously. <sighs> it's 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 really weird. So you've got, you know, the, the Jeff Johnsian, you know, they're red lanterns, they're powered by rage, they're fighting with each other. And it's Ed Ben is drawing, so basically every woman has to do this weird body twist where you can see her breasts and her ass at the same time. Oh, um but at the same time you've got Milligan writing this weird ponderous narration. And on Earth, you have this British family fighting about the fact that their dad died. Sorry, the grandfather is murdered by a mother. And they're fighting over who was responsible and who could have saved him. Because one of them's a pacifist and one of them isn't. Good lord. So it's like his rejected hawk and dove pitch yeah, in there yeah, as well? Exactly. Um, and the, the end of the, the issue is essentially Atrocitus deciding he is going to stop being a villain mm-hmm. and is going to take the, the, the ownership, the protectorship of people who are crying out in anger and vengeance but can't do it themselves. Hmm. And then basically being like, yeah, but my Red Lanterns aren't going to go along with that. And that's the book. It's really weird. It's really, really weird. It's with a different artist. Mm-hmm. You know, a good artist. Um, it would be a kind of fascinating book. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think people would read it differently. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the idea of Ed Ben's art on that just sounds like... Yeah, it just sounds... It, wow. That just sounds like... It kind of sounds like what I was worried OMAC would end up being like, I suppose, in a weird inverted way, you know? Um, you mean good, you were expecting a lot to be good art and terrible writing? 
Uh, right, exactly. I expected good art, terrible writing from Momac, and it sounds. And I expecting the opposite with Red Lantern, I guess. And that's what you're getting. You're getting. You're yeah. getting like, it's not even necessarily good writing, but it's really interesting writing and terrible art. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's 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 really it's kind of fascinating, and it's very sad to see so many people just be like, "Yeah, it's terrible. It's what you'd expect." Because. I mean, maybe it is what they expected. It's not like what I expected. I think there, there's like an undertone here that is potentially awesome. Mm. Um, but, you know, or also could go to shit very quickly. It, again, it depends what Milligan keeps showing up for the next issue. Right, right. What Milligan are you going to get? Um, uh, I think what else about... was... Sorry, on you go. Oh, I was going to be like, Art, let's talk about Frankenstein, Agent of Shade. Um, I, I actually was tempted to go to Batwoman. But I think I want to hold off on that. Um, it's the art's okay. I it's it's was, a bit scratchy. It's a little scratchy and flat. Like there's a cup. There's a scene where the monsters are attacking the town. Even before that, I think that oh, the, the, maybe the, 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 yeah, the opening with the monsters, mm-hmm. the reveal of the monsters is really flat. So it, it's yeah. Just, Weirdly, um, mm-hmm. what's the opposite of awe-inspiring? <laughs> yeah, right. Yawn exactly. Inspiring? Yawn-inspiring. It is so. I. It really feels like if this had been, um, if you took the color out, I don't know. It. It just struck me as like almost um, the sort of work that you see in an image comic, and be like, yeah, they're not quite there yet you know, keep trying. I mean, if you think about how many crazy ideas Lemire wants to jam into this issue, and then you actually look at the visuals, it's like, I'm like, oh, God, I just, you know, I know that they had Doug Doug Monk uh, doing um, Green Lantern instead, but oh, oh, baby. (laughs) But don't you wish. Yeah, Yeah. Lemire is getting the shitty end of the stick in terms of artists, because I read Animal Man. Because after we talked last week, DC actually shipped me all of the first week. Wow. Um, and they shipped me the second week as well. I think that's what they're doing with PR people. Um, but yeah, Animal Man is the same. Travel for a minute is, kills that story. And in particular, kills that last page. Mm-hmm. It, not not kills in a good way. He, yeah. he makes it dead. It is yeah, not he strangles good. it. Yeah. Um, yeah I totally and that agree. last page in particular is horrifically yeah. just, just flattened by the art. And, and the colors. Fair, and the colors. And the colors are also bad. The colors also flatten it out hugely. I mean, it is worth saying, like, and, I, you know, I really do. Any book that I'm going to temper this, you talk about this, we sort of heard or suspected how tight the deadlines were for this first round of 52 books. And so it wouldn't surprise me if we see, hopefully, we see some of the artists get a little more room in their schedule or more chance to breathe um, or or just pick up better shortcuts or something but I was I was you know even with that even with the okay the, this work is not going to be good I mean it it's like substandard Giorgianti work you know I did you you haven't been to the store I take it Dark Horse didn't ship you the new Buffy no right? sadly I was going to pick that up. I really was. I was like, okay, I totally bailed on the first one, but I'm enough of a Buffy fan that there's a new start. They're making it sound like he's getting back to the, the you know... He's remembering what back. Buffy's about. Exactly. I'm like, perfect. This is where I want to go. And I picked it up, and I'm just like, I just don't like Giorgianti's work. It is... 
it 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 just it rubs me the wrong way. So I actually did, I looked at that book on the stands and actually put it down. And looking at Frankenstein, in part because I'd signed up for it in advance, I went, oh yeah, it reminds me of substandard Giorgianti work, where it's like you get a certain, you know. See, that, that's really interesting because it reminds me of someone, but it's not Giorgianti. Mm, but it really, like, really strongly reminds me of someone. It's a particular artist, and I can't think who it is, with uh-huh. shitty inking, and I wish I could remember who it was. Mm. There's some parts in particular, almost all of the scenes with Father Time as little girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, someone with bad inking, and I can't think who it is. Interesting. I mean, also, it, I kind of hate Father Time's little girl. That's just a little bit too cute for me. Uh, yeah, I saw the little girl on the cover. I'm like, awesome. And then when it turned out to be Father Time, I'm like, uh, that doesn't work. Also for me, and this is going to be a really weird, I missed the the Flashpoint Frankenstein thing, but this is the weirdest, nerdiest thing to say for a character that I've only seen a handful of times. But Frankenstein calling someone Father instead of Father Time felt really wrong to me. Oh, no, entirely, because... Like, father is a really fucking loaded term for him. Yes, exactly, right? You know, it's just one of those weird nerd things where I'm like, that's not right. I can understand trying to cut your word count so that you can put more info in the pen. Yeah, but, but then he calls him time. He doesn't call him father. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's like, which is more confusing, but would almost work better. But yeah, the fact that he keeps calls uh, the character father at three different points, I'm like, that is not, like you said, it's a loaded term. It just wouldn't work it would be it would be really off to me um and i started off not liking the creature commandos but then sort of loving the creature commandos like about two pages in so is it where i die i kind of like the creature commandos but i had the same reaction to them when they first appeared in lemire's um flashman time mm. where i was like what are they doing here and then by the end of it, i was like oh, i kind of like them so when they showed up this time i was like oh good Right, you're like, ah, there we go then. Right, well, I guess I hadn't seen them. Uh, let's see, what other 52 book can I talk about? Demon Knights. Demon Knights. What do you think? Honestly, I liked it. I thought it was a better Cornell book than Stormwatch. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought in some places the art was uh, also suffered from some rush points, but also had some really gorgeous expressiveness to it. I actually thought that any time... Uh, Madame Xanadu came up and I thought her little origin in here was actually pretty great. I thought she seemed pretty expressive. Like, all the characters, especially the female characters, seemed expressive in a way that um, I really liked. Um, So, you know, even though it's not really my thing, I don't think I would have picked this up if it had been for Cornell in the first place. I, I, I liked how it was kind of cute and it was kind of obvious and but I just liked it I just thought it was yeah, jammed with I, enough I, I thought it was a lot of fun the only thing I didn't particularly like was I thought the ending seemed really odd yeah the, the I thought the ending seemed really bit. fast it was like uh-huh. what? like it kind of felt like he needed another couple of pages yeah in fact actually if you look at that that's got like the last page confuses the hell out of me is that 
someone's decapitated head flying? You, you, you know that? Yeah, I, I thought it was. Is it not? Actually, now that I'm looking at it, it can't be because it seems to be attached to a body. No, it yeah. is decapitated because you see there's, there's blood above it. I yeah, see, that's kind of what I thought, I guess, but it's but it's clearly supposed to be attached to the body that it was, so it's flown backwards. I don't know. It baffled the shit out of me. But yeah, no, there was a few points where, th- yeah, that ended a little too abruptly, and the scene actually where the outriders of the Queen's Horde burst into the tavern um, was also kind of biffed, you know, because it's that classic, like, they supposed to burst in looking like badasses and instead they're staring into a tavern full of even bigger badasses and, yeah. it's, and it and biffed it, you know? But I think that's kind of the point. Oh. You, don't think the, you don't think the point is? I mean, the dialogue's even oh, you think? I think the dialogue is you're not the badasses here, we're the, di- we're the badasses. Oh, I know, I agree. The problem is is you don't, those characters don't really look like badasses. He's catching them all, like, half the people are sitting Half of them are sitting. Half of their faces are obscured. Yeah, if, if you've done uh, a 180, if, you, yeah. if you, the first panel is basically them breaking through the door as if you were looking at the door, exactly. And then the next panel is you looking straight on these, the the people standing up. Yes, that that, that would have worked better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, exactly. There's enough in this that I re- that I really enjoyed, it. and more than anything, it reminds me of Gail Simone's Secret Six. Oh, interesting. Uh, I think it's a book that will really appeal to people who like Secret Six and who are very sad that it, Secret Six has gone away. Unlike right. Suicide Squad. Did you read Suicide Squad? I didn't. I I wasn't going to go within 100 feet of that. <laughs> really. Don't read Suicide Squad, Jeff. Don't do it. I'm shocked that a, Amanda Wa- a, a new Amanda Waller defender like yourself would say that, Graham. <laughs> Can I say fuck the internet after that? <laughs> For what you're missing, um, <laughs> Jess Nevin said on Twitter that because Amanda, Mo- Amanda Waller was now thin, that he didn't feel guilty about comparing DC to Nazis. I then said that I think that it was more of a sin of trying to make her like her cinema, her movie version, as opposed to an anti fat agenda. And then I think the entire internet attacked me for the <laughs> <laughs> which wasn't what I'd done. <laughs> Yeah, listeners, I don't know, if you haven't followed uh, Graham, it, it's G-R-A-E-M-E-M uh, on Twitter, it's great fun. Not only does he know everyone, but it seems like once every three weeks he manages to offend everyone. Yeah, so it's... I don't quite know how that happened. Yesterday <laughs> was totally, and there's, I mean, there, that wasn't the only thing that like offended people. I oh, was, really? I was, yeah, I had to say yesterday, where, without meaning to, I completely stamped in shit like three times. <laughs> tell, can you tell me about the other two times? Because I'm really sorry. I, 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 I can't tell you uh, while we're recording. Oh. I actually can't. Even better. All right. Well, <laughs> exactly. I look forward to that. So, sorry, listeners, you won't get to hear, but Jeff will in about an hour. So, there you go. I, I'm um, so excited. But, yes, yeah, Suicide Squad is. It's not even good for what it wants to be. It's the opposite of Deathstroke. Deathstroke is fine for what it wants to be. And, and you don't Suicide like it, right? Yeah. And Suicide Squad is not fine for what it wants to be. Suicide Squad tries on every level, basically. Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, Adam Glass, the writer, tries to be really smart, and he's like, "We'll start in media res, and then we'll flash back to the origins." Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, as this is happening, you know, we're, I'm also going to introduce you to all the characters. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and it just ends up this mess. Yeah, this yeah. really badly structured mess that um, the resolution of the issues is. It's not rushed exactly, but it just doesn't like he doesn't land it. It's it's mm. it's just not good. <laughs> I guess it's just yeah, it's it's just it just does not succeed. There there are so many things about it that when you stop and think about it, you're like, ah, no. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's bad. It's it's mm-hmm. it's probably the worst of the new Fifty Two books. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that's that's harsh. Well, I mean, it's not harsh, actually. It's I really think... not that harsh. No, 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 it's the worst yeah. 27 books. Yeah, exactly. Wow, is it already 27 books? Yep. Two weeks of 13 books and Justice League before that. Jesus Christ, and how many did I pick up? Like, five? I, I read Justice League International, by the way, uh, between last time and the time we talked. And what did you think? Well, I... You know, it fucking read like Dan Jurgens, you know, to me. <laughs> it really did, didn't it? Oh my god, that guy, Jesus. I mean He's always in, Dan Jurgens. He's he always is. And I mean, you know, in terms other, of some of the other stuff what mm, yes. Is it your read Green uh, Green Arrow, which he drew? No. That's like the ultimate Dan Jurgens drawn comic. Oh really? He he, he has become like the, the Uber Jurgens. <laughs> <laughs> Beware, mortals! It is I, the Uber Jergens. Uh That is uh, that. That does not. I'll, I'll be honest. Like reading this Justice League International, I was like, I think I might actually like Dan Jurgens, the writer, more than Dan Jurgens, the artist. Oh, I think I think that's definitely the case. Yeah, I, I think his. I don't know if his tastes have changed or his art has gotten more generic. Because I remember when he was an okay artist, or when I thought he was an okay artist. Um, but yeah, Green Arrow is just Green Arrow is kind of like an identical comic. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there's characters who are just leaping in, in like out, out of the panel, and you're like, that could have come from any like that could have been Dan Jurgens' stock pose number two that George Perez just like changed the, the details on. Right. <laughs> yeah, I I believe it. I totally believe it. Yeah, he's one of those guys. The art doesn't. But Justice League International, by contrast. Although bland and jurgensy, was kind of competent. Like I was like, hey, you know, compared to what you got in the first issue of Justice League, I was like, you get all the characters, you understand why they're introduced, and you get a fight scene with all of them, and their relations laid out. The only thing that kind of, I mean, it's not great, you know. I mean, it's there, and he biffs that whole whatever the hell that weird like we're going to take back the Hall of Justice storyline, which just was so stupid where they firebomb something. I wish I had the issue in front of me because the dialogue was so bad it made me laugh out loud and was like one of the weirdest segues of all time. They're, they're going to take back the Hall of Justice, Jeff. Come on. They, they, and they said something like, and speaking of justice, we're going to burn them. You know, I was like, what? That's like, justice. I guess. I mean, it just seemed like a weird context for justice. Like, we're going to take him to trial. We're going to make him pay so I'm something, you know? But it was like, justice equals burning. I'm like, nah, I think you hey, should After, after some of the political debates we've had this week, well, that is I, I think there's probably people who probably believe that. Actually, that would be great. Like, the, the, there should be a banner at the next GOP debate that's like, justice equals burning. <laughs> Let's make this about justice. 
Burning. And burning, by all means. And burning. And burning. <laughs>